You're listening to At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in fixed income, currency, and commodity markets today. Welcome to this Valentine's Day special, where we discuss, among other things, a topic that we love, delivery options in the futures markets. I'm Srini Ramaswamy, co-head of U.S. Rate Strategy, and today I'm joined by my colleague and senior derivative strategist, Ipe Kozil, to discuss recent developments in the U.S. interest rate derivatives and futures markets and our views going forward. We are recording this on Wednesday, 14th, February 2024, and our comments today are based on our recently released quarterly publication covering the bond futures market as we head towards the roll season. This publication is available to institutional clients of J.P. Morgan on our website, J.P. Morgan Markets. EPEC, let's set the stage for our listeners who may be preoccupied with things other than Treasury futures on Valentine's Day. Can we start with a brief recap of what we mean when we talk about rolling futures positions? Uh, Sure thing. So as our listeners know, the Treasury futures market allows investors to take long or short exposure to U.S. Treasuries in the form of a futures contract. There are contracts in almost each maturity sector, and the liquid contracts are the ones covering the two-year, five-year, 10-year, and the long-end sectors. It's also worth noting there are two contracts in each of the last two sectors that I mentioned. So we have the classic and the 10-year note contract, and the so-called ultra-10-year note contract in the 10-year sector. And we have the classic bond contract and the ultra-long bond contract in the long-end. So these contracts, they are physically settled. And what that means is that if you keep a long position, you will eventually receive delivery of an actual treasury bond. And conversely, if you keep a short position without trading out of it, you will eventually need to make delivery. These contracts, they expire quarterly. So March, June, September, and December. And if the clients want to maintain their long or short exposure without risking or making delivery, they must roll out of the, say, the March 2024 contract now into the June 24 contract before the March contract expires. And that's precisely what we call the quarterly roll. It it may seem pretty operational, but it's actually an opportunity for clients to add some alpha to their portfolios by taking well-informed views on the likely evolution of calendar spreads or the role. And that's where we come in. Our recent publication focuses on analyzing the drivers and forming a view on the direction of calendar spreads in each of the treasury futures contracts that I mentioned above. Uh, Yeah, thank you for that. Um, You know, with the intro out of the way, let's jump right in, beginning with the Fed. Uh, Can you discuss our outlook for the Fed funds rate, market expectations for policy rates, um, the Fed's own messaging, and how all of this impacts Treasury futures calendar spreads? Yes. So the place to start is by remembering that futures prices are, in a way, are forward prices, which means they are determined by the carry on the cheapest deliver bonds. And carry is determined in part by financing rates, which are directly linked to policy rates and policy rate expectations. In summary, we expect the Fed to hold rate study at the March as well as May meetings, although we do think there is some chance of a cut in May. And the Fed's messaging also appears to indicate pretty much the same. And when we look at forward repo rates between early March and early June, these forward reports are pretty much in line with this Fed view. 
In other words, we can say that markets are priced to current expectations for policy rates almost perfectly, which means that financing rates over the relevant period for this role should be pretty stable and won't really impact calendar spreads much. So um, while we're on the topic of financing rates, uh, I think I'll take this opportunity to remind our listeners that the CTD bonds in all contracts um, have negative carry this time, which means early delivery is very likely. So for clients who wish to avoid any risk of delivery, uh, rolling before first notice day is essential. But moving on, um, are there any other broad themes like financing rates that apply in all sectors? Yes, um, so investor positioning is a factor that usually impacts all sectors. And basically what we tend to do is we tend to look at net long positions held by commercial accounts as opposed to non-commercial or spec accounts. And we do this because commercial accounts usually tend to avoid delivery and therefore they tend to roll before first notice day. And right now, net commercial longs are pretty elevated in the two-year note, five-year note, 10-year note, as well as the ultra 10-year note sector. So basically, towards the short end of the spectrum. And that alone is enough to make us bearish on calendar spreads in these sectors. In the case of the ultra 10 year node, there is actually one more reason. And that is that the 378's Augie 33, which is the current cheapest deliverer into the March contract, appears too rich relative to the four and a half Novi 33, which is the cheapest deliverer into the June contract. And we think the CTD curve is too steep and it could flatten in the coming weeks, which would also pressure the calendar spreads narrower. But Shrini, I think that's probably most of what there's to say about positioning. Why don't we pivot to basis convergence and delivery options, the two topics that we love. Can you start us off with an overview of delivery optionality or specifically actually the CTD switch optionality and how it's impacting the classic bond contract sector? Yeah. Um, as we said earlier, uh, the Treasury futures contracts are physically settled, meaning the short is ultimately obliged to make delivery. Uh, but the short has choices. Uh, there's a basket of eligible bonds and any of them can be delivered. So usually one of them is cheapest to deliver, which is you know sort of basically optimal for the short to deliver. And that's called the CTD bond. Uh, but this CTD bond can change as rates move or as the slope of the yield curve moves. Since the short gets to decide which bond to deliver, the investor who's short treasury futures is basically long this delivery option. And conversely, the investor who's long futures is short the delivery option. Of course, there's no free lunch in markets, which means the longs compensation for selling this delivery option is the fact that futures will be priced cheaper than it otherwise would be based on the value of this delivery option. So what does it all say right now? Currently, CTD switches are possible in the March as well as the June classic bond contracts. Uh, and there's certainly some switch optionality here. Uh, but we think the markets are pricing in too much delivery option in the March as well as June contracts uh, relative to our model estimates. So what this means is that if prices converge towards what we estimate to be fair value, uh, both the March and June bond contracts should reach it. Um, but history tells us that this convergence is more likely to happen in the front contract 
while any sort of cheapness of the back contract can persist until after the roll period is done. Uh, so in all, we think that the classic bond contract calendar spread is likely to widen uh, because of this effect. Um, as an aside, I would note that uh, you know if yields were to rise, switch optionality will increase in the March as well as the June contract, meaning both contracts can cheapen. But here again, the the impact will be larger on the June contract, which means the June should cheapen by more than March. So all in all, I think uh, these effects or you know optionality delivery op switch optionality in the bond contract is one key reason why we are bullish on the classic bond calendar spread. Thanks, Srini. So that covers the classic bond contract. But I would say one of the most interesting aspects of this quarter is the fact that CTD switch optionality is also significant in the June ultra long bond contract, something that has historically been very rare in the sector. Why don't you tell us more about that? CTD switch optionality in the June ultra long bond contract is actually uh, truly interesting right now, um, and in somewhat counterintuitive ways. Uh, what do I mean by that? For instance, uh, you know, let's start with the CTD. The CTD right now is the two and a quarter Augie 49s, um, and that is basically at the short maturity end of the basket, right? And in a relatively small rally, the CTD can switch to the four and a three quarter Novi 53s, which are actually at the long end of the basket in maturity sense, at least. Uh, that seems like the CTD is extending in a rally, which is somewhat counterintuitive since extension usually happens in a sell-off, right? But there's really nothing odd here. And what's going on is the fact that the Augie 49s at the short end of the basket have a low coupon, while the Novi 53s at the long end of the basket have a high coupon, which makes the Novi 53s duration shorter and the Augie 49s somewhat longer. Uh, in fact, both of these bonds are actually relative, uh, relatively close to being CTD, and they're just like a couple of ticks away once you properly scale for the conversion factor differences. Uh, nonetheless, this switch optionality is unusual in this sector, right? We actually think that this CTD switch option is worth about seven ticks in terms of the Augie 49 net basis, which is, uh, like, like I said, unusual uh, for the ultra-long bond contract, at least based on recent you know, read the last couple of years. But I would also add that the switch option is even more interesting because of its interaction with the wildcard option, which exists predominantly in the ultra long bond contract. So let's discuss that as well. Uh, yeah, this this is probably the most fascinating aspect of this quarter's, uh, you know, role. Long story short, the wildcard is an entirely different sort of delivery option. And just to do a quick recap, uh, it arises because uh, whenever the conversion factor of the cheapest to deliver bond is very, very different from one, the market neutral hedge ratio between futures and the CTD bond is very different from the delivery ratio. Uh, also, the invoice price for delivery is determined at basically 3 p.m. New York time. But markets continue to trade after that, and the short has several more hours in which to decide to make delivery on that day. So this creates a little bit of a timing option that pays off if the market rallies after the futures prices close in, the, in, this, in this case. Um, this wildcard option has been a 
constant feature of the ultra-long bond contract in recent years, and it is significant this time too. It's significant in the March as well as the June contracts, but there's a bit of a catch. Um, if the June CTD were in fact to switch to the Novi 53s, that bond has a much higher uh, conversion factor, and the wildcard is much less significant in the case of the Novi 53s. So even the mere chance of a CTD switch that could lower the wildcard option, we think uh, that's enough to make the wildcard option a lot riskier to monetize, even if the Augie 49s remain CTD, so long as there's a decent probability of a switch. So in a somewhat interesting twist, what's going on in the June ultra-long bond contract is that CTD switch option is rising and is significant, uh, but wildcard option we think will actually get mostly priced out. Uh, that should richen the June ultra-long bond contract, and uh, therefore we think the calendar spread should go not narrower because of that. I think it's safe to say that this interplay between wildcard optionality and switch optionality in the June ultra-long bond contract is one of the most interesting things we have seen in treasury futures markets in some time. Um, but I guess, thanks, Srini. That's probably enough for today. To all our listeners, hopefully we have given you enough to think about this week, and we wish you all a very enjoyable upcoming long weekend. Stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the JP Morgan research reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2024, JP Morgan Chase & Company. All rights reserved. This episode was recorded on February 14, 2024.